0: Prepare the royal baggage My son is going on a trip This trip is an excellent idea 40 days of fornication Simi, I have something else in mind I intend to find my bride Where will you find such a woman? In America But where in New York can one find a woman suitable for a king? Queens
1: Oh say can you see I'm Coming to America, America.
0: America. Welcome to now Playing's Coming to America Retrospective Series
2: hey, it's good to see you
0: Hosted by Arnie
1: Oh my goodness, it is you! I cannot
2: believe it!
0: Stuart I must admit, your style is far into my kingdom, but it's impressive And Jacob The three of you Three Putzies! You should change the name to the Three Punches. But be warned, this episode will contain detailed plot spoilers and strong language. Oh, 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 that's too good. Now you stepped over the line. Now.
2: politically incorrect.
0: We hope you enjoy the show. Tell me, Sam. Honestly, how do I look? I think it is time to find your queen.
3: Today, we're discussing Coming to America, starring Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Jermaine Fowler, Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, Kiki Lane, Sherry Headley, Tiana Taylor, Wesley Snipes, and James Earl Jones, directed by Craig Brewer. This is the now playing co-host who always uses his white voice, Arnie and
2: Stuart. And this is the co-host who is a whole slice of pumpkin pie, Jacob.
3: So we've reviewed another 48 hours. Now we're reviewing Coming to America. And it got me thinking, has Eddie Murphy ever succeeded in a sequel? Decided to look, he doesn't do very many sequels. That's because there's so many bombs. Is it because of all these ones in the 80s? (laughs) I mean, I'm not counting Shrek. But in my opinion, the only good Shrek's the first Shrek anyway. But... Beverly Hills cop two is liked, but it's certainly not beloved like the first one. Another 48 hours we've discussed at length. There's only two others I could think of. Dr. Doolittle 2, which is no Dr. Doolittle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know there's a
1: sequel to that one. Oh, I think there's like five. They ended up handing it off to a kid veterinarian
2: for like the, the straight to tape one. They went st- the Home Alone style, changed the protagonist.
3: Yeah, and there was Daddy Daycare, Daddy Day Camp, but he didn't come back for the sequel. He didn't come back for any more Dr. Dolittles.
2: <laughs> uh, and now there's Granddaddy Daycare with Danny Trejo, so stay away, people. I got a feeling it's not good.
1: What's remarkable about your experiment, Arnie, is that as you're naming these movies, I'm realizing I didn't even see the first one. And then Nutty Professor to the Clumps is
3: maybe... I haven't seen Meet Dave or some of those, A Thousand Words, but of the movies I've seen, I think Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, is the worst. It is worse than Norbit. Norbit? It's worse than Norbit. It's worse than Norbit. And here's the thing. I watched Nutty Professor 1 expecting to hate it, and came out of that like, you know what? It was not that bad. And then I went into Nutty Professor (laughs) 2... Long st- <laughs> it, we, we may need to do Night your professor so I can expand on this but long story short I had to go stop an assault in the middle of the movie and I was glad <laughs> You had to stop an assault? I was glad I had to get in a physical confrontation. <laughs> Instead of finishing that movie, but then I came back and finished it later.
2: Was this between your dogs or between people? People. And that was still better than the movie. Like, putting your life in danger was better than the film.
3: Yeah, somebody had a hammer and a knife and was going to go confront somebody else.
1: And (laughs) better than the clumps. Yeah, bad Eddie Murphy can bring out the worst in people. I'm not surprised there was assault breaking out during the clumps.
2: Maybe those people had just watched the clumps, and that's why they were so angry, and you had to stop them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm blaming Eddie. The
3: decline in quality from Nutty Professor to Nutty Professor 2 is precipitous, and it brings me back. Eddie Murphy does not return to his characters very often, so here he is returning to one of his most successful, one of his most beloved. We talked last time, this movie's always on TV. This movie is a cultural touchpoint. I had a number of African-American listeners write in. And say how much this movie really spoke to them and clicked with them. And that in African-American
2: households, yes, people do dance around. I I saw someone posted that on our Facebook. (laughs) I Yes, that's a cultural difference, I guess. In my family, we never just broke out into dance for each other.
3: Especially like full-on shoulder-shaking, I'm dressed up (laughs) to go to the club (laughs) dancing. But yeah, it was a big movie and now... 33 years later, he is returning to Zamunda, returning to Akeem.
1: Can I rephrase what you said a different way? He's taken the last thing that people love that has been untarnished and risking doing that. He's risking the clumps with his last beloved classic. I mean, Trading Places, I guess, maybe it is a sequel to Trading Places. We've already discussed (laughs) there's there's an in-universe connection to the... Old dudes. Somebody did post also on Facebook, and I liked
3: this idea, is does Akeem have like an identical cousin in America in Valentine? And like, could we have that movie with Eddie playing both roles, Akeem and Valentine, meeting each other? Yeah, I'd say Trading Places is still standalone despite a couple of winks from these movies. But yeah, it is a little risky, and I didn't know how I felt coming back. You guys know I love Coming to America. Watch it often. Did we need a sequel? I was happy that it's coming from the team that brought Dolomite Is My Name. I think Dolomite Is My Name is one of Eddie's best movies in a while. And so
2: I thought if anyone could do it, let's see if Craig Brewer can do it. Yeah, they brought back the same director as Dolomite. We got, of course, Eddie Murphy back, Wesley Snipes is returning, he was great in Dolomite. Like that the success of that, what whatever however you measure success now with Netflix, because that was a Netflix original, is that what spawned this? Is that what got this one going? Even though this isn't Netflix, this is Amazon Prime.
1: Well, I think he could have gotten Coming to America made anytime in the last thirty three years. Like that anytime Eddie said I'm ready for it, there
2: would have been a money bomb. Even after Norbit, you think they would have a studio would have said let's do it
1: this movie absolutely they would sequelize for any whim of eddie norbit was a hit jacob yeah no it wasn't (laughs) and i can't i haven't seen it but i can't imagine it's his worst there are just so many
2: okay the adventures of pluto nash like would they give you coming to america after that film
1: in fact you go to coming to america after (laughs) the adventures of pluto nash (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. You're saying that he could be ruined with some of these movies, but when you make a movie like Coming to America, the original, people will let you do that again, no matter where you are in your career. And so... I think to Arnie's question, is this a sign of desperation that he's doing it? Or has there been a change in Eddie Murphy recently? A spark, a rebirth. I really like doing Dolomite. I really have my muse back. Let's go back to America as well. That's what I was hoping for. I mean, that's what I really... I I like that Dolomite movie as well. And I really felt like I saw Eddie Murphy have that spark, you know, like what, what has been gone from his eyes. I haven't seen many of these films he's made in the last 30 years, but I, I don't think he has either. Like I just, you could sense that the joy he took as a young performer was not there when he's making Showtime and Haunted Mansion, you know, it's just not a pa- No one would be passionate about that. And so I felt passion and that, it, that passion inspired me to think the best about coming back to America. Yeah,
3: I, he said in several
1: interviews
3: that there'd been a lot of talk people had wanted him to make this, and if people think he's doing this for a payday, he's done taking payday movies. He doesn't need that. He would only go back when he felt the script was right. Reason Beverly Hills Cop 4 keeps not happening is he never felt the script was right. He only wants to do this if it speaks to him and feels like the right time to come back. And I do think that the success he had with Dolomite and Craig Brewer might have given him some more confidence. I mean, it was during Dolomite that Craig Brewer started discussing, hey, why don't we do this next? And yeah, they got some of the original writers back to (laughs) work on this. This was supposed to be theatrically released. Paramount was going to put this in theaters, and why wouldn't you after the first one made so much? But COVID, yo, Amazon bought it. (laughs)
2: It's so weird because Paramount Plus just launched. So, but this is an Amazon movie.
1: And I guess there was no
2: discussion about John Landis <laughs> maybe coming back. Yeah, I, I could count, like, on one hand Landis, Patrice, Soul Glow. Did that return? Like, almost everything returns for this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, there is a Soul Glow uh, advertisement in the barbershop still, but I did not see Eric LaSalle. And in the flashback, there's
3: the Soul Glow song. Mm -hmm. during the booty
2: call, Mm -hmm. they decide to get down to Soul Glow. They're bringing people back for... Like, those rapping twins are coming back for this. I'm not talking about salt and Pepper. Like, (laughs) there was some debate if those were twins. They're twins, because they come back, and they still look exactly the same. The ones who didn't come back, and apparently they were approached, but the excuse given was
3: scheduling difficulties, Eric LaSalle Uh and Samuel L. Jackson. No. Well, Sam, obviously. I
2: I was kind of sad to not see Sam make a return in here.
3: You know, I interviewed Sam Jackson once, and one of the things he said that will always stick with me is, look, I'm an African-American actor, lucky enough to be working in Hollywood. If somebody meets my pay, I'm going to show up. I don't care about the quality of the movie or the role if they meet the salary, which explains Sidnakes on a plane, which is what I was interviewing him about. So he, I'm sure, would have shown up. Mm-hmm. Except for scheduling difficulties. I don't know if he was too busy discussing Quicksilver on Capital One ads. Yeah, but but
2: whatever actress played Patrice. Scheduling conflicts? Uh, or maybe she's just not in the acting game anymore. I don't know.
3: They said if Eric LaSalle had come back, there would have been a Patrice subplot.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But there's a lot of people in this. I mean, you heard me read the opening credits. From Saturday Night Live, they brought Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, Wesley Snipes from Dolomite and Prison. I think those are the two things he's best known for in the later days.
1: Possibly, <laughs> yeah. Right. You need to go back to America, and you need to take to Zamunda. You need Eddie Murphy, obviously. That sitcom on CBS clearly didn't pass for that reason alone. Did we need everybody to come back? I think it makes it feel more like a party. It gives an endorsement That if everyone thinks it's worth coming back, then this movie is going to be as good as the original. That's the promise.
3: You have to bring back some of it. I think there are just things that are expected from the first coming to America. And perhaps it's harmed by being 30 years later in that certain things became staples. Like if you'd made this movie in 1991, then they might think, hey, what people liked is Eddie and Arsenio under a lot of makeup, doing different characters. So what kind of different characters can we do here instead of the barber, instead of Randy Jackson? But 30-some years later, it became, what people loved were the barbers and Randy Jackson, and so we're going to bring those characters back. We're not going to... There's one new makeup character in this movie. So I think after watching Coming to America on TBS... 400 times, people wouldn't be satisfied if they didn't find out where the barbers are today. I would think they'd be dead.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Where are they now? I I expected the barbers to come back, though.
1: If they're going back to Queens, they'll somehow still be alive and doing their shtick. I definitely think so. I didn't watch a lot of ads for this. I didn't have a lot of expectation about what was going to happen or who was going to show up. But everything I had been hearing, like, there's been a lot of promotion for this. A lot of people doing interviews. It did seem like everyone was back and really excited, like, proud of it. Like, assuring you, don't worry, we're not going to screw this one up. The one I worried about was Sherry Headley, who plays Lisa. We all know that Kelly McGillis
3: isn't returning for Top Gun 2... I hadn't seen Sherry Headley perhaps since Coming to America. I guess I did. I saw Johnson Family Vacation, but she doesn't work a ton. I thought maybe there would be one scene of her, you know, kind of like they treat the barking dog girl in this movie. I kind of felt like that might be Lisa. But no, she's given her own little arc and does very well. I do think that they just put out an open call to anyone in the first movie. (laughs) Right, the key
1: grips, yeah. I mean, Louis Anderson, not expecting that.
2: He's still serving burgers at McDowell's after 33 years. I,
3: I'm thinking he's
2: manager of the Zamunda branch. <laughs> that That's what, I actually do agree, yes. I, I do think he got a promotion, finally.
3: A little add-on to last week's show, though. I was watching a Today Show interview with Eddie Murphy, and he explained why Louis was in that film. I think I asked that. I'm like, why did Louis show up here? It's because Paramount said... We need one white person in this movie. Everybody is black. We need to at least have one white
2: person. I wonder if they ever have those notes for white movies. (laughs) Hey, we need a black person in here. We don't have any black people. Or like the Academy Awards. Today, they do. right, who's your African
3: American? Who's your Hispanic? Who's your Middle Eastern? Absolutely, they do. Look at the cast of The Eternals if you want to see a Rainbow Coalition. But not back in 1988. no. And there are plenty of movies to demonstrate just that thing. (laughs) But Eddie was thinking, who's a funny white guy I know? And as I hypothesized, he'd been doing some tours. He knew Louis. He thought Louis was funny. So he called up Louis and gave Louis a job as the one white person in all of Queens. (laughs) So yeah, he came back as the one white person in all of Zamunda. (laughs) And I was anticipating this pretty highly. First, a new movie I actually want to see. <laughs> That's always a good thing. I haven't had that since Wonder Woman 2. You know, the right now, theater's closed. If it comes to streaming and feels like it could have been in theaters, I'm a happy, happy person. Unfortunately, though, I did watch the trailers. It gives everything away. The Super Bowl ad especially... Made me know immediately, hey, it's Crocodile Dundee too. It's instead of seeing a Zamundin
2: in Queens, we're going to take somebody from Queens and introduce them to Zamundin. I think the two in Coming to America represents the two minutes we'll spend in America in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not happy about that.
1: No, it's, it, we're spending all the time in Georgia. That's part of America. It's not Queens, though. Okay, well, let's not delay this. Let's find out uh, what they've come back to do. Arnie, give them the plot of coming to America. It's been about 30
3: years since Prince Akeem, played by Eddie Murphy, went to Queens, New York, and met his true love, Lisa, played by Sherry Headley. Just to talk about that for a second. Like, it's Akeem's son's 31st birthday, but it's also, like, within a couple days of that, Akeem and Lisa's... 30th anniversary. Yeah. So this boy, so how long passed between him being in Queens and Lisa showing up under
2: that veil, surprisingly?
1: Well, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, obviously a year.
2: I, I didn't realize a year passed in that film.
1: No, I thought it was like a week.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: How much did Mr. McDowell harp on Lisa in that year to get her to go to Zamunda?
1: Six months as a janitor, probably, that he spent there. He only had 40 days of fornication. Oh, you're right. There was a time frame. I don't (laughs) know.
3: (laughs) Well, when this movie starts, both actors are reprising their roles as a prince and princess who've been happily married for all that time and have raised three daughters. Eldest Mika, played by Kiki Lane, middle child Oma played by Eddie's daughter, Bella Murphy, and youngest daughter, Tinashe. But there's trouble on the horizon in Akeem's country of Zamunda. Akeem's father, again played by James Earl Jones, is dying. Akeem is not a strong leader like his father, so Zamunda may be conquered by General Izzy, ruler of Nexdoria, played by Wesley Snipes. Zamunda laws state the monarchy can only be passed to a male heir, and as Akeem has no son, it makes it easy for Izzy to conquer. But before his death, King Joffer tells Akeem that while in America 30 years ago, an ill-conceived one-night stand resulted in a child, Akeem's son. So Akeem and his loyal sycophant Semmy, again played by Arsenio Hall, go to Queens, visit all their old haunts and eventually find Akeem's 31-year-old son, Lavelle, played by Jermaine Fowler. Lavelle has been struggling to find his purpose in life, so when Akeem shows up with promises of wealth and ruling a wealthy nation, Lavelle is only too happy to go. But he brings along his mother, Mary, played by Leslie Jones, causing some discomfort between Mary and Lisa. Lavelle has a hard time with Zamunda customs, and there are three tests he must pass if he's to be crown prince. He has trouble, but gets help from three unlikely sources— First, Lavelle's biggest supporter is his royal barber, Marembe, who helps Lavelle feel more comfortable. Second, Lavelle brings to Zamunda his uncle, Reem, played by Tracy Jordan, who helps coach the boy. Finally, Lavelle is aided by Princess Mika. She had initially resented Lavelle as she, Akim's eldest daughter, wanted to become ruler of Zamunda. But she befriends Lavelle and helps him pass his trials. Now a proper prince, Akim and General Izzy plan an alliance of kingdoms through marriage. Prince Lavelle will marry Izzy's passionate, voluptuous, and servile daughter, Bopoto. Lavelle feels played by this arranged marriage. Having fallen in love with his barber, Marembe, Lavelle takes his mother, uncle, and Marembe back to Queens, where he plans a quick marriage to Marembe so he can avoid the arranged marriage. Akeem realizes his mistake and that he married for love, not for politics, so he races to Queens to reconcile. Meanwhile, Semi and Akeem's three daughters use their fighting skills to stop General Izzy's invasion. Akeem and Lavelle make up and Akeem offers Lavelle and Marembe a proper marriage in the palace. And Akeem is changing Zamundan law by declaring Mika will be the ruling queen of Zamunda, while Lavelle will be Zamunda's ambassador to America. And Sexual Chocolate comes on stage to play as the wedding band, and
2: credits roll. And as credits start, I found this really annoying. Like, we get this long zoom from the Paramount logo into the palace, you know, kind of a callback from that first film. But during all these opening scenes, like, we're going to find out McDowell's is in Africa, the credits are rolling over them. Like, I can't see what McDowell's... Ronald McDonald looks like because there's a big old credit over his face. I found this very – like, there's jokes going on. Get rid of the credits. Wait for the credits to end so I can enjoy these jokes. It is, but it's also a
3: callback to the original in that we're having a very similar song played – We're seeing the palace prepare for the morning. We're seeing they have more money to spend in Zamunda because we're seeing them pick the rose petals that must be thrown on the ground. (laughs) And, you know, instead of having the three bathers wake up Akeem, we have the three daughters waking up Akeem. And instead of it being, oh, it is my birthday, it's, oh, it is our anniversary.
2: And and they still look like they were... In position one, waiting to sit up in bed, just like in that first film with the key. like, they have not improved how naturally they look when they're sleeping.
3: I think that's an intentional callback also. They are basically recreating the
1: opening. Now, let me ask you, in imagining... What had happened to Akeem 30 years later? Did you think it was Happily Ever After? Did you think it would begin with this place flourishing? Absolutely. I felt like Zamunda was a wealthy nation,
3: and the last movie was a fairy tale. Fairy tales end with Happily Ever After.
2: I agree that that finds a might be in a great state still 30 years later, but yeah, this was my second thing. Stuart is Akeem. Like, What did he learn from that first film? Like it's all about falling back into tradition and that's never what he was about in that first film. So I was looking, I was hoping I'd get better answers. Why did he fall back into just being this King that was going to follow? He's the King. He can just change the law. Well, I guess he's got to wait for his dad to die, but you know what I mean? Like he was somewhat progressive. And now he's not anymore.
1: Right. He rubbed against the grain as a young person and said, I'm not going to do what my father and what society expects. And yes, now we find him still a prince because somehow James Earl Jones is still around to do this bit. And I'm just going to say this.
3: How is this not true to people? Hippies became yuppies. Gen Xers have become the lost generation from being riot girls to being forgotten between boomers and millennials. This, to me, feels very right. I remember my I had a teacher who said, if you're young and vote Republican, you have no heart. If you're old and vote Democrat, you have no money.
2: I agree, Arnie. People do change, and I find that fascinating. Like, how do you go from a peace-loving, free-love hippie to a Trump supporter? Fascinating. So I want to see that kind of thing. How do you go from someone that left everything, left all your money behind, your kingdom behind, to go find true love, and now you're like, eh, I kind of like this money. I kind of like this tradition. Like, we're just going to stick with it. Again, this is a comedy. I'm I'm not looking for deep psychology here, but I do kind of want to understand the character better than they're going to let us.
1: The one thing I would say is that uh, we get asked, what did he learn from going to America? It didn't seem like anything. He brought a little bit of Queens by putting the McDowell's franchise, by putting it in his backyard. And they have one million served, which is nothing compared to McDonald's, but probably a lot more than they ever did in Queens. I guess we're to see that he kept a little bit of American culture in his mind as he fell back into this tradition.
3: And again, they're following the pacing. If you remember, Akeem, we're skipping the bathing and the wipers, but Akeem then had breakfast, and here he's going to have an impossible burger, because those are a joke now.
2: I got that, yeah. We got some fake meat that you could try, and no one likes it.
3: Although this movie is pretty
1: woke when it comes to meat nobody's wearing lion pelts anymore (laughs) no they're wearing the most loosely fitting outfits they can i mean i'm just gonna go ahead and
2: say it eddie is oh oh oh, eddie's not wearing loose clothes at one point he's wearing a very tight black t-shirt at the beginning and oh boy like again i i'm not one to talk but this guy's a movie star that's going on in a screen in front of millions of people like people change i guess over 30 years
1: Eddie is very thick, thick in ways that are very hard to disguise, though the customers do try to do it. And what that signals to me early and often and never changes throughout this movie is Eddie Murphy's not trying in this film. Eddie Murphy didn't get in shape. Eddie doesn't want to be here. This isn't even going to be Eddie Murphy's movie. Eddie is the king sitting getting fat off of the royalties. And someone else will have to do the hard work, because he ain't doing it.
2: Are, are you saying Eddie is not on fleek anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely
1: saying the shock of this movie and these early scenes is I believe the hype that Eddie Murphy wanted to make this sequel. And it's not true maybe he
2: just came off the set of Dolomite because he still got that Dolomite body.
1: I think he did want
3: to make this. Again, he's done a lot of promotion. He hasn't done promotion for movies in a long time. He seemed really excited about this. In the
1: ads, yes, when I saw him give interviews, I believed it too, Arnie. Then you look at this movie, fat and like barely going to be in the film. Like, uh uh-uh. He did not care. He's a co-star, I agree. And it's not unwise to pass this story to a new generation really you did not think this was going to be eddie murphy's movie it's not a total shock to find out the story will be built around some son
2: and he won't like care no Stuart, because we saw the super bowl trailer that spoiled everything
1: (laughs) exactly Okay, you guys knew things I did not going into this. I am stunned that they hand this off to a nobody next generation. No,
3: I absolutely knew that was going to be the story. I knew they discussed in the trailer that the oldest daughter wanted to be queen and was upset she can't because it can only be a boy. And this guy from Queens is going to come over. I'm like, I know how this is going to end. He's going to be a prince. They're going to let the girl be a queen, and we're going to be focusing on a new generation of romance. So the fact that we spend this opening with Eddie makes me happy, and I laugh out loud several times. I did laugh out loud at the very obvious, blatant Pepsi ad that's in this McDowell's has Pepsi, and they have Meg McMuffins, we have Egg McStuffins.
2: Egg McStuffins sounds good. Like, I'm imagining, like, you you know, some enclosed stuffed biscuit. They're McFlurby's later on. I I, I want the toppings throughout the ice cream, not just on the bottom. So, McDowell's, you're 50-50 with me. No,
3: no, McDowell's is better, because the McFlurby machine actually fucking works.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Only the one in Zamunda, though. You gotta go all the way there to get a McFlurby.
3: But then... Honestly, my favorite character comes on screen. He stole Dolomite,
1: and here Wesley Snipes as General Izzy is going to steal coming to America. No, he's going to try to steal coming to America, but he's also going to find out it has nothing to do with Eddie Murphy. Like that, again, the stunner is the, the trailer I saw, and now I'm wondering what I saw, told me that Eddie's going to get into some kind of. African conflict with another nation run by Wesley Snipes. And that, that the war between them would be the comedy. And that, wow, how great it would be to see these two face off. Yes, he struts in here and I am ready to bow. Wesley is awesome like he has he has the only time that I laughed out loud in this movie he has a bit where he's reading the child stories like the bear and the bunny and like (laughs) now go play with your grenades I'm like I love this guy that it is not his movie that he is not the force of that is Eddie Murphy will be pushing back on that it's not these two sparring with each other is of great disappointment
2: Every time Snipes comes dancing into a scene... Which I love. I'm like, where's our five-minute dance scene, like that first coming to America? Like, I want... Stop cut. Like, I complained about that one being too long, but every time Snipes shows up, I want more dance scenes. I want them to go longer. The fact that Wesley dances into the scene... They train with Dance Dance Revolution games! <laughs> we see that in Nick story. And
3: Shake Weights. No. Yes. I think that means that they're, what, 20 years behind because they're an impoverished nation?
1: Yeah, shake weights is a data joke, yeah.
3: Yes. They have our cast-offs, the old Dance
1: Dance Revolution machine. They're just getting flat-screen TVs. Yeah, I, de- <laughs> I definitely think that was a, 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 like undercurrent there. Is Next Doria has, has had to live off the hand-me-downs of this rich African nation, and that's why they're ready to go to war. And again, how rich in that we've just had the Black Panther movie. We could spend all of it, all of it right here. What a great idea that goes completely squandered. But then we get James Earl Jones, and I found this out in some
3: research. It's kind of a sad thing. James Earl Jones, due to his age, was not able to come to the set. He never was on set with Eddie or Arsenio or any of them. They green screened in. All of this. A-, a coffin with him standing in it? Yes. you. And I, knowing this before I watched it, pay attention. There's not a lot of two shots.
2: Mm-mm. Oh, I did notice that.
3: Yeah, I can believe that.
1: I guess I wondered why you would do that. You do this because he was in the first one, and if he's still alive to do a cameo, you keep him alive. But I think it's strange that Akeem has still remained a prince and is not in some ways... Like, by this point, 33 years later, being like, Dan, why can't I have the throne? You know, like, that would be a tension,
2: I would think. Don't that, you
3: think Prince Charles feels that way? Exactly. The queen will not
2: die? Yes, I'll never get the throne. Oh, she won't die till he's dead. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Like, she's holding on to life to outlive him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, again, you could play with that if you're bringing... Like James Earl Jones, otherwise, just don't have him alive. I don't know what you get out of having this moment where, yeah, he's clearly incapacitated, unable to get out of bed, and they're like, let's have a funeral while I'm still alive. Well, what you get is people love to
3: watch James Earl Jones be a dying father. It happened in Star Wars. It happened in Lion
1: King okay. twice. <laughs> okay. So, I've, like, you could have had his cameo be just the voice of Z-N-N, because that's the joke is that when you watch CNN, he is the one doing that voiceover. Yeah. So, this is
3: CNN. I did laugh at that. But no, here we're seeing Akeem's rise to the throne. It took longer than expected, but he is dying. But somehow this Arsenio Hall witch doctor had a vision that Akeem has spawned a son during his time in America.
2: Yeah, this is a new character, right, Baba? Yes. All right. I didn't remember a witch doctor from before.
1: But let's be clear. What they're telling us is that with Akeem only having daughters he has failed this nation. All the prosperity that they have is about to be wiped out because without a man to sit on the throne, which again, it will be a keem, but because he's weak, mm-hmm. because he's perceived to unable to sire males, he uh, is going to be a target for Izzy. And so...
3: I did laugh at the... You're going to be assassinated within a week, a month at the outside. I mean, and because there's no male heir, then there's no one to rule Zamunda, and Izzy can just wander in.
1: Shouldn't we see some of that? Like, wouldn't it have been better to begin with assassination attempt and- Yes. uh, Like, give Wesley more to do? There, Like, oof. Wesley's my favorite part of this movie, giving Wesley more to do thumbs up. They talk like Wesley is going to assassinate him, but you never see a scene between Eddie and Wesley where they're at odds. There's a brief moment when, during
3: his first strutting in, Wesley said, I've come for blood, and all of his troops point Uh guns, and then he goes, not blood is in killing, blood is in marriage. I have my son to marry your daughter, and then there will be a male to rule both our nations. But we've met Mika... And we know that she is very smart, she is a good fighter with those sticks, so... When Izzy's son comes walking in, looking like a wannabe hip hopper, that union will not work.
1: Yeah, that's a good joke. The idea that like she's just—I'm not having this. Yeah, you got they are trying to do what John Amos was trying to do with his kids marrying into the Jerry Curl empire. Is like <laughs> the, this poor nation wants our wealth, and they're going to try and yeah come in here, swagger all swagger. And, and nothing else to bring. She's not having it. She's smart, she's educated, and she cares about her culture. I like the fact that this is a stalemate. There's nothing that can happen between these countries uh, until they either marry or kill each other off.
3: But this is a moment for Eddie that I like. Because we don't have Mika there saying no and being a stubborn daughter we have a knowing his daughter well enough to just be like that is not happening with my daughter she will not go with this and that he you know he's a good father
2: I think I'm like Akeem. I can tell you everything that's going to happen with this daughter. Even if I didn't see that trailer, like right at the beginning, yeah, that, that you have the independent older daughter who wants to be queen. Like we all know where this is going. So I'm kind of just bored. I hope there's good jokes.
1: That's not a knock on the movie that I can predict the ending. That's what fairy tales are. It should be predictable that this will be about the daughter proving that you don't need a son. I get that. And I think that's very timely. Go for that. I, I, no resentment, but to Jacob's point. Yeah. So that like, we're not worried about the plot. We just want to see the gags and Arsenio. I'm guessing this is Arsenio as the witch doctor Baba or whatever coming in here. I think the joke is he had some vision and drew a sketch and it looks like Will Smith. I'm like, oh, they think they're going to find this son in Queens that's going to be a superstar like Will Smith. Or did they get Will Smith? Like, I'm like, ooh, who could it be?
2: Yeah, I did not see Will Smith in that picture, but.
1: Go look at it. I'm telling you.
2: Will Smith's a little older than 31.
1: Uh, it, It tells me that this son is going to be a huge disappointment. That everything that they have expectations on is going to be totally shattered when we come back to America and see who he really is. And boy, does that not happen.
3: There's something said when he's finding out he has a son in Queens that doesn't ring true. I think they're trying to rewrite Akeem's backstory and semis.
2: I, I think there's some continuity issues oh no they have to totally retcon this because again I knew that he was going to meet his son because I saw that trailer but it's, uh, I was trying to think back to that first film well, when did he hook up with another woman he never did so I, I guess they got to introduce rape he even says the only woman I have lain with is Lisa I don't think that's true. Remember no. the bathers? Yeah.
1: Well, depending on how you define sex. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think he said saying- they were just cleaning the royal penis.
3: Right. Yeah, but remember James Earl Jones? I just assumed you had sex with your bathers. I know I do. I mean, I figured that Akeem
1: was not a virgin on his wedding night. But I do think it's right instinct to do a deep fake back to the original, to cut back to that original footage and then seamlessly with the magic of digital technology show young Arsenio and young Eddie hooking up with Leslie Jones.
2: Yeah. Was this B roll or, or I noticed sometimes it looks like they're shooting behind semi or Akeem, so they could have a younger actor there and they were blue screening stuff in, but it does feel like there's com- some composite stuff going and they didn't de-age anyone. Did they?
3: Yeah, they de-aged. Oh. Arsenio is definitely de-aged when he's approaching the two women at the bar, and Eddie is definitely de-aged when they get back to the apartment. Leslie Jones is de-aged, but honestly... She's in her 50s, and she looks great for somebody that age. I don't think they had to de-age her very much. She didn't look all that incredibly different. But they did the Irishman trick. She looks youthful. I don't know if she
1: looks great putting a candle
3: up her dress and saying... (laughs) I laughed out loud at that with, like, you want some pumpkin pie? She's, like, wafting.
1: Leslie Jones is ready to do comedy and to tell new jokes, and I feel like she is a force... She comes into this movie bringing their crude laughs, their clump laughs, but I definitely feel like she is trying to bring something to this party. If this was the clumps, Eddie would be in drag as Leslie Jones
2: wafting up the dress. Yeah. The m- most fun I have is with Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan. I don't think they were given a script. If they were, I don't think they read it. I think they're just <laughs> coming up with jokes on their own, improv the whole time. Tracy Morgan definitely did not read a script. I
3: know that. No, Tracy Morgan, when he's calling his nephew young Jedi and things, these are lines long from his shtick. Interesting point. Eddie was like, we're making the sequel and Tracy Morgan's going to be my son. (laughs) Tracy Morgan's older
1: than him, isn't he? He at least looks it. That makes sense. I'm going to argue, yes, you want the son to be a disappointment. You want him to not be what the royal vision has in mind. Like, that's the whole nature of comedy. We think he's going to be this, and he's going to be Tracy Morgan, or some kind of screw-up. That totally makes sense.
3: Yeah, Arsenio is the one who talked Eddie out of it, because Tracy Morgan's 51, And Eddie is 59. And so the joke Arsenio said is, I kept telling Eddie, in
1: part three, we can get Morgan Freeman to
3: be your son.
1: (laughs) So is the problem that nowadays we don't have black male comedic superstars under 30? Is that the reason why we get stuck with this kid that looks like he came straight off a Nickelodeon show?
2: Oh no, I've I've seen him in stuff. It Jermaine Fowler? Really? I don't know if you saw Sorry to Bother You. He wasn't the main protagonist. Oh, I'd love that movie. Yeah, he was in that. He keeps coming up as a character in the Eric Andre show, if you've watched that. Mm-hmm, I watched that. Stoner show. Like He did a
1: CBS sitcom. Oh, I did.
2: Superior Donuts. I love that play. Would not
1: watch that show. It was unwatchable. They ruined it. So this guy is a comedian.
3: I think there are several who've come through Saturday Night Live that could have been picked.
2: Yeah, I'll say this with Fowler is I I really liked him in this. I'm like, oh, I wish I could see him in more stuff like where he's the main star. I don't think he's a young Eddie Murphy. If you're looking for that kind of comedic talent, no. But he does have a charisma like I like this film could have been worse uh, for having to feature this role so much. If they got another actor that wasn't as charismatic as this one, like he kept my interest at least. All
3: right. Here's the one thing I'll say about Jermaine Fowler, and this may be damning. I kept thinking of Tommy Davidson in the coming to America sitcom and thinking Tommy Davidson did an Eddie Murphy's brother much better than Jermaine Fowler is Eddie Murphy's son.
2: Yeah, he never feels like Akeem's son or coming from Eddie Murphy
1: which is like the death knell of this movie. I've been getting through act 1 going, "Eh, this is not really that great, but let's get to America. Let's see what the sun is."
3: You mean Salt and Pepper and En Vogue coming out with
2: Morgan Freeman narrating the funeral, "Didn't do it for you?" En, en Vogue doing "What a king, what a king, what a, like that." I kind of rolled my eyes, but when Salt and Pepper came out like, "I legit love Salt and Pepper when I was in I probably like junior high and so i was excited to see them come back and like do a full-on rap again give them a full music number but my big problem with the first coming to america is like i wanted everything cut like this one every time there's a scene i like i'm like no give me more of that there's not enough of that it's funny because it's like en vogue as early 90s
3: salt and Peppa push it was around the time of the first coming to america it's a very gen x funeral so it's like they're not just pulling jokes from coming to america they're just like what was big 88 to 92? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, that makes me sad. The fact that, yeah, it's all Humpty Dance and everything like that's yeah, That's right. Kind of, I would use the word pathetic, was coming to mind. This feels really sad that they're just being like, remember the 80s? Yes, I do. And you, you're this. You're insulting me as the only karaoke
3: song I ever do is Humpty Dance. <laughs>
1: That's fine. That's you and karaoke. I'm talking about a movie in 2021 that's trying to be funny. And to say, remember the jokes we told 30 years ago is a terrible way to start the comedy. And I did not love the idea that all of a sudden, instead of having a political war with uh, Idi Amin wannabe, they're going to say, we need uh, uh, to go back to America and get Eddie's son. But okay. And then I see yeah, Jermaine Fowler and I go, it's over. See, and here I like
3: Jermaine Fowler's introduction because he's not a stereotype. He's a 30-something millennial trying to find a job at Duke and Duke, which I absolutely love. Colin Jost, I don't know if you know him. He's on SNL. He is perfectly cast because this guy was born rich in New York, went to Harvard, ended up a comedian on SNL working with Michael Che. Twice a season, Michael Che writes jokes for Colin to say that are borderline racist. So here, as the grandson of Duke and the, ne- the great-nephew of the other Duke, <laughs> asking Lavelle, so, did your mother have a drug problem? Was the father absent? Just going to all the stereotypes, and then Lavelle throwing it back, like... Your father never bought a building to get you into college and never had to sneak you into rehab for cocaine. It was oxy. Really, really, really good scene. I like the Duke and Duke callback, and it makes me think we could have
2: trading places, too, with Colin Jost as a duke. I mean, going back to Trading Places, is it wrong that I wanted the son to be a little more Valentine from Trading Places? I wanted him to be much more of a huckster. Like, I thought that would have been funny. And, you know, the My Fair Lady thing, you gotta you got to refine this street guy out there. But no, it's, like, he seems pretty capable. He's just had some real-life complications. Like, his, his mom got laid off, so he had to drop out of college to help with the bills. Like, just real-life stuff happened. Like, I don't think they really developed this character enough. For a comedy, usually comedy lies in the extremes. And and he's not in an extreme there.
1: That is an excellent way of framing the problem. We need him to be something. I need him to be a big problem for Akeem, or I need him to be someone that's stealing the spotlight, the new Eddie Murphy, or the anti-Eddie Murphy. I need something amazing. You're right, Arnie. This scene where he's introduced calling out white privilege is funny, but he needs to have good moments with Eddie. And he needs to have a chemistry that is either unique or like watching the rebirth of Eddie Murphy. And he is neither. He looks ready for his CBS sitcom.
3: I'll agree he's bland. And Jacob, when you say you want extremes in comedy, I agree. I don't think extreme poor black stereotype is the way to go. No, no,
1: I I don't mean that. They do both. Yeah. He knows computer programming, but he's also scalping tickets. They're like, well, he's kind of a hustler, but he's also not. I don't know what he is, and we're going to leave New York soon anyway, so you'll never really know. Yeah, he doesn't want to
3: go. He doesn't want to go be a prince. I was surprised because... He goes with it pretty well. Akeem, to be on the streets of New York, puts back on his New York tourist getup with the same jacket and the same yeah.
2: buttons. The same jokes is what you are you mean. Uh, I rolled my eye. Like, yeah, yeah, not the same spirit. Like,
1: oh God, okay, they're really going to do that.
3: Yeah, this is where... I realized we're going back too far. They also went to the barbershop for absolutely no reason, but the barbershop happened to know Lavelle.
2: Yeah, but I actually laughed at the barbershop when they're like, we don't be talking that kind of shit about hungry babies. Like, I found that funny. Like, the barbers got a laugh out of me this time.
3: Listen, I was happy to see them. Again, I felt like you needed them. It's shorter, which is better. What I would have thought was funny is if some guy dressed like that walked up to you on the street, said, I am the king of Zamunda and you are the prince... It's like an in-person Nigerian scam email, like you have just inherited. (laughs) I would have liked more skepticism on the part of him.
2: Yeah, there is no DNA test that we're at least showing. If I was Akeem, I don't know, maybe he really just wants to stop that war with Nextoria, so he'll take any man to claim as his son, but like, I want DNA tests to prove parentage. All of that. It's so easy for him to be found. Yeah, follow the Thunderbird. I thought, ooh, that's gonna be like this, this big problem they're gonna have to solve from Baba. Like, follow Oh, the Thunderbird. No, it's just a mascot standing outside of Madison Square Garden.
1: The guy is quick to go to Zamunda. The guy is quick to say, yes, I'll marry this prince. Like, nothing that I would think would be pushback or create the drama is any big deal at all. Just scrap the sun entirely. Just have Leslie Jones say, you owe me alimony for all of this stuff. And she's the one chasing him down to Zamunda. Because Leslie Jones is an extreme problem thorn in the side. And this guy is just happy-go-lucky nothing.
3: I agree. I wish there was more to him to like or dislike, and you do get a lot more out of Leslie Jones, Mary, because she's like, when Lavelle is like, is this my father? I like it when Mary's like, he could be. Y'all know I was a
1: hoe, Yeah, she's fun. I mean, you know, like, sometimes the jokes are obvious, but they don't have to be great jokes. She's just funny in and of itself her presence and what she brings how she's going to create tension with Queen Lisa and all of that she's a good problem to drag back to Zamunda he you're right bland is the word I'm not trying to say the actor is without his own charm but he does not fit into this movie and he has not created a character that is interesting to watch play off Eddie Murphy
2: I do agree with you Stuart With this feels almost like I didn't watch that TV pilot but this is how I'm imagining yes. it like we're getting ready to pass it off and this is just going to be a TV thing and this is our new Eddie Murphy. I do feel that vibe throughout the film.
3: The thing is I have one problem with Lavelle. The only joke of his I laugh at is when he's going for that interview and Tracy Morgan says, don't use white voice. And then he does do kind of the Eddie Murphy white voice thing. Only time I laugh. And this is a comedy. That's the thing is uh, coming to America I love because I laugh. And any scene that focuses on him and doesn't have Tracy Morgan, doesn't have Leslie Jones, I'm never laughing. Once in a while, I may think to myself, oh, that's kind of clever. But no laughs. The movie is short on laughing out loud moments, but there, there's some, but not with him.
1: I, and I want to just parse out because you guys are throwing Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan in the same bag of like they're an asset. Leslie Jones is an asset for me. I don't know why you need Uncle Reem. I don't get why he gets brought in here. I don't really like Tracy Morgan. I'm sorry that he had the car accident or whatever, but I've never watched 30 Rock, and I don't think he's funny. It'd be one thing if he were trying to teach values that are different than Zamundan values. If you had this clash of cultures, rich and poor Beverly Hillbillies in Africa, maybe that's something to do. But I feel like Leslie Jones is the one doing all that stuff. She's the one that's like taking Lisa's dresses and having them altered to fit her. Like, What is Tracy Morgan doing?
2: Yeah, I think they're going for a Beverly Hillbillies thing, you know, Queens meets Zamunda, the poor meets rich. That was part of my problem with the first Coming to America. I wish it was more about, you know, you throw America in the title, Coming to America, like you're making a statement about America. And I felt like that was a shortcoming in that first film. And it's definitely a shortcoming here. Like, I don't feel like there's a clash of cultures or a clash of classes going on even. And I think that's why you bring Morgan in, because you're trying to bring in this, this rougher, not so polished around the edge. Which is why you bring Tracy Morgan is I I love him when he, he has small roles in films or TV shows like when he's Brian fellows on SNL I never watched 30 Rock I don't know if I could take him as a major star in a film but I do like him as a comedic aside
3: I liked him in 30 Rock I love his stand up I've seen him live he is funny I liked him somewhat on SNL I did not like Brian fellow I think he was one of those that got overexposed like Kristen Wiig I haven't liked him in a lot of stuff, though. He's always the same God cop-out, Jesus Christ cop-out. But here, I like him, but you're right. He doesn't
1: have enough clash. He's here to be a foil for semi. Oh, okay. I get the symmetry now, because Leslie Jones is having these great lines of, like, Why the mashed potatoes black? Oh, caviar's the name of my cousin. Like, he bitch say what? Yeah, <laughs> she's got—you don't need Tracy Morgan jumping in on that. You need Tracy Morgan to do something else. She's got that part down. But what's odd is Uncle Reem doesn't come
3: on the first trip. It's when Lavelle isn't feeling comfortable in his role, and his barber, who you know where this is going the moment she has the
1: cleavage out, right? Yes. Uh, you know where it's going, but you can't believe you're already there. <laughs> the shock is like, wait, what? He's already having doubts? I thought he just showed up and like got bathed by the royal bathers. Like All of a sudden, he doesn't want this and can't live up to his father's ideals? They've had no scene together! Well, no, he has the prince trials. He's
3: been told that he has to do these trials, and that's where the doubt comes in. Yeah,
1: but they're not scenes with Eddie Murphy. They're like, Eddie Murphy hands him some scissors and walks away. And this actor has to be like, okay, I guess I'm carrying this moment now. Let me go talk to my barber.
2: Did you want Akeem and Lavelle getting bathed together by like the royal bathers? I like the <laughs> Leslie Jones getting bathed turnaround joke. Yeah, but here's the thing. I didn't realize this until afterwards because one towards the end... Eddie Murphy is going to say, you MFers, and I'm not editing myself. He says MFers, and during this scene with Mary, Leslie Jones' character, they say, your royal privates are clean. No royal pussy, like we had a royal penis, like this is not R-rated, and usually that kind of just brushes by me, like if it's not R-rated or not, but like this one, it really stands out, I think, with some of the jokes that it's just not as edgy. It kills me. It kills me. That the man who
3: taught me to say motherfucker is now saying say MFers. <laughs> and I just gotta think that like he was ad-libbing the line and said motherfucker, and then the director's
2: like, Eddie, we're PG13 now, and he had to say MFer. Yeah, we we don't get topless bathers like we did before. Like coming to America, the first one, I, I gotta keep saying that because they got the same name when you just talk them out loud. But That first film, there was an edge to it, at least. Like, it had some naughty jokes in there. That's why I wanted to see it so bad as a kid. This just, it feels very tame. And again, TV. Like, we can't have edgy jokes anymore.
1: Yeah, I did not know that this was PG-13, but I did sense that it pulled punches. And that I guess, what is the thinking? Now that Eddie Murphy is known more for his Disney work, that we just can't have him go back and be that R-rated comedian again?
3: Studios don't want R-rated movies. They want to be able to bring in 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds. Well, guess what?
2: But this is streaming. It doesn't matter.
3: Well, it wasn't supposed to be. But when I was 13, one of the big draws for this movie for me was seeing The Bather's titties. So, you know, I... Just think that they've made a mistake, but there's so many movies, so many movies, where the studios say, no R. And I think that's probably the case here. They spent $60 on this. Paramount probably thought going R-rated comedy only. You know, Dolomite is a good movie, but Craig Brewer does not have the cachet of a Judd Apatow who can force an R-rated comedy down a studio's throat.
1: Yeah, uh, but to the detriment of the movie, you're complaining that the language is not as foul, the jokes aren't as shocking. I do sense that. I do feel like in the middle of this movie,
2: uh, we we need some spice. I mean, the middle of this movie is about giving a lion a haircut, a shave, really, <laughs> like trim his mustache.
1: <laughs> yes, the the but more to the point, it's about Lavelle supposedly coming into his own. As having confidence and being able to do something. And this romance that they get going with the royal barber, Marembe is unearned. You just didn't spend the time you needed to do No, they just fall in love. Yeah, it's so frustrating that they just throw them in here. This movie's almost two hours long. You could definitely have given them the moment they needed to be as cute as Lisa and Akeem were in the first one. Is what I was screaming for more in that original. It was like, we need even more romance and make cute. Like, these people have even less. Imagine
3: if it was reversed. Because we do have now queens coming to Zamunda. Imagine if it was Marembe saying, you know, when you think of hair trimmings, think of Marembe. You know, something like that. Where she's attracted to him. The problem I have here in the middle is that it's almost like Lavelle has too much support. It's supposed to be the Beverly Hillbillies. You'd think there should be some resentment. I wish Oha was in this more. I would think Oha, he gets a good song again, but I would think Oha, as King Jaffe Joffer's aide, would be more bound to tradition. But for... Lavelle, we've got the barber who's supporting him and saying, you know what, be yourself, let's cut off this rat tail prince braid, don't follow traditions, don't be a prince of Zamunda, be a prince of queens. We-
1: Even though, literally a minute before, he's looking like Chadwick Boseman with the haircut and loving it and enjoying all of the the spoils and riches, like, suddenly he's dissatisfied with it, and it's all because of a lion whisker, Right. Well, all three tests. He can't memorize the name of the kings. He
3: can't get the kingly walk. But when she says be the prince from Queens
2: is when he brings in his consigliere of Uncle Reem. Yeah, who helps him memorize his genealogy somehow. Like, if you're going to be a prince of Queens, all of a sudden you can remember all your parentage. But then the one
3: with whom there was... The most strife, and by the most, I mean very little, is <laughs> Princess Mika, who was upset because now there is a crown prince. He's the eldest son. I mean, no matter what monarchy you're in, the eldest becomes the ruler. So not only does she not want tradition to change, but even if tradition changed, she'd still just be a princess. But even she comes around to Lavelle is like, all right, I'm going to help you get these whiskers. We're going to build this...
1: Shark cage for the lion. and This whole thing is mystifying to me. Like, first of all, we're to believe that Akeem did this. There's no way that Akeem did this in the past. Like, show us the flashback. How would he have done this? I couldn't even imagine. I
3: know that you're having a problem with Akeem cutting the whiskers. And that's because of how Eddie Murphy is playing Akeem here and how we're being told Akeem is weak. But let's not forget, in the first movie, Akeem was brave. He went up and told Sam Jackson, who had a shotgun, that he would thrash him. I believe that young Prince Akeem would walk up to a lion. I don't believe that this Prince Akeem ever walked up to a lion. I did love that Babar came back. I mean, if you're bringing everybody back, little baby Babar is now a big CGI elephant.
2: Yeah, Georgia's got lots of CGI wildebeest and elephants running all over it. <laughs> Not bad CGI, though, but 60 million? Like, I I never saw the Lion King CGI version, but, like, I rewound it a couple times to just verify that it was CGI. I thought it looked pretty good.
1: I mean, my complaint is not with the CGI. My complaint is that, okay, so you're making it all about this test of bravery, and all of this life, this kid has been undervalued, and, and people like the, the guy at the Duke and Duke have overlooked him. He's going to bring his ticket scalping skills into... Like, like His, turning the bamboo
2: into friskies coated. He's like, this is the bait and switch from sales. And like, we never got to see him do sales, except I guess try to scalp a ticket. Yes. Like, technically, I guess that's sales, but
1: how is putting friskies on bars like ticket selling? I don't get it. Wait,
2: wait, wait, wait no, here's the bigger problem. This is going to set up how they resolve Izzy, right? Like, here you have a conflict with someone who wants to kill you. Like, this is bait and switch. Like, they're going to set something up for the end. Nope. Like, we're just going to have a stick fight at the end. No, no, no.
1: I mean, we all know that Izzy has to be taken down by the girls, like, because he is so
2: macho. I I get that, but you have a major conflict. Like, this is going to set up how the ending gets resolved somehow. Maybe it is a bait and switch with the girls because the other daughters end up showing up for that fight. Maybe that was the plan. I don't know. But you don't have a big scene like this without it setting up something for the end.
3: Did you guys watch the deleted scenes at the end? The
2: bloopers? Yeah, the bloopers. Oh, yeah, the bloopers during the credits, Mm. yes.
3: Where, like, Lavelle is doing, I got the whiskers. (laughs) And he's like, that's my thing. That's
1: the ice cream. (laughs) I didn't catch that as a, I didn't, you got something I didn't out of that. Yeah,
3: remember, I got your ice cream from Delirious. And so apparently Lavelle just did the, I got the whiskers.
1: (laughs) You're explaining something that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Okay. (laughs) Okay. takes an Eddie Murphy fan to get this. But if you're an Eddie Murphy fan, Arnie, are you happy about Lavelle and the Whiskers? And where is your star? Are you happy about this? I'm not
3: unhappy with the amount of Eddie Murphy participation. Okay. I think he is back in the character. I feel like they've rewritten the character a lot, but I feel like he is Akeem, and I feel like Sherry Headley is Lisa. I like when... The few scenes we get with John Amos as Mr. McDowell. I mean, I'm feeling their back, but I came in knowing, <sighs> all right, this, this is what hit me after I watched it. This is The Force Awakens, right? This is Zamunda Awakens, where you've got the old people here. To add some continuity,
1: but we're really focusing on Ray and Finn and Poe.
2: I've got similar notes, I would
1: agree. See, and that baffles me because I can't imagine a Coming to America 3 where Eddie Murphy's not in it. Can you imagine if it's all about Mika and Lavelle
2: running the kingdom. Oh, no, 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 no. no. I could if this was super funny, specifically those characters, and I'm like, yeah, I don't need Eddie Murphy. These guys are just making me laugh out loud throughout the film without him. Right. Where would you put that?
1: You'd put it on Disney Channel. I mean, this is, like, not up to the level... Of what coming to America needed to be.
2: Oh, come on. Disney's not going to have a ceremonial circumcision scene. That was funny. I really did think that. Yeah, I laughed at during that one when they pulled out Akeem's giant foreskin. Yeah, I
3: I kind of rolled my eyes at that one. And if that's Akeem's foreskin, God only knows what General Izzy has as the most well-endowed man (laughs) in Africa. (laughs) But I liked that they played a joke on him. That, like, it was a guinea when Baba cuts off what looks like the foreskin, and then chews it. That was the riskiest joke of the whole thing, and then it turns out it was just zucchini. But, you know, that was a decent joke and a good other test of bravery. I like that they're hazing him a
1: little. Yes, look, I get that people can find little moments of throwaway humor, but to your point that they are setting up a new generation to take over this franchise, I don't believe that. The
3: same thing about The Force Awakens. Can you imagine Star Wars just starring Daisy Ridley? They always brought back Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and Billy Dee. None of the characters they created in those sequels could carry
2: Star Wars. I don't think they're setting up a Star Wars universe. I think they're setting up a spinoff. Like, Marimba says, you know, wink, wink, like, let's talk about sequels, how they're never that good. Barbershop. Like, there's the good barbershop, and then there's that sequel that wasn't great, and then there was the spinoff Beauty Shop, which, like, I would forgotten about until they brought this up. Nobody liked that one, but okay. I never even saw it. You know, if your dream was to open a beauty shop, then maybe that spoke to you. Hey, look, all I'm saying is they're not even going for barbershop here. They're going for beauty shop. Like, they're... Trying to justify this film. Like, this isn't even a sequel. It's more of a spin off. And I think that's where they're moving. It is bold
3: in an unnecessary sequel to an old movie to call out unnecessary sequels to old movies as a Hollywood cliche. If you were great, you pull it off. If you're mediocre to bad, then. You're just calling the audience's attention to this isn't as good as the original. And no no matter where my arrow goes, let's be very clear this doesn't
2: hold a candle to the original. You took the words right out of my mouth. If this was, again, if I was on the floor laughing, I would go, yes, you got this little wink, wink, nod, nod joke here. Right. Instead, you're just confirming my suspicions that, yes, this is not funny. This is just an unneeded sequel that I shouldn't be watching.
1: Right. But what they've also told you, and I think that this is third wave feminism that would speak to a new generation that isn't going to go back to the coming of America. Franchises thrive when the female characters are allowed to take the lead as deep Blue C3 and Black Christmas 2019. Yeah,
2: Beauty Shop is not your argument for that.
1: Ghostbusters 2016, they all prove. <laughs> Leslie Jones, too. Yeah, that, that it definitely thrives, and audiences are super happy when the boys are kicked out and the women take over.
3: <laughs> but yeah, here it is drawing its edge. And I think the romance happens too fast when they're suddenly kissing. There's so many characters in this that they're trying to pay service to that nobody gets a plotline that doesn't feel rushed. We want more General Izzy, and yet we want Lavelle to be better, and if Lavelle was better, then we want more of that romance. And we want more of Reem and Semi because we get a few moments of like fights between
2: them. Does Arsenio as Semi ever—I'm sure he has a line, but my takeaway, my impression of him after this film, is he just kind of stands there and rolls his eyes the entire time. Like, Semi does nothing.
3: He's the reason Akeem has a son. That's his big part in this movie. But again, so many characters, including these
1: actors in other makeups, I do believe Arsenio does more as Baba than he does as Semi. Yes! Yeah, I definitely think— That you were onto something by saying and keeping the cast large... No one gets their full arc or arch, as it were, <laughs> you know, depending on <laughs> McDonald's or McDonald's yeah. you want to take on this you have to be brave it's It's ironic this movie's arguing that you need to be brave and take chances. You needed to cut some of this background, the stuff that isn't maybe it is funny, maybe it is a good callback, but it's not helping this story to flourish on its own. you don't need to have a a, a royal circumcision. you need to cut Simi out and Tracy Morgan and the character. Characters that just don't have a place here. No, you give them something to do, but there's too many. You cut the ones, you you don't have duplicates. We don't need Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan. We don't need all of the excess.
3: Out of everybody on the set, you know who I'd be most pissed as? If I was Bella Murphy (laughs) coming into my dad's franchise and given like two lines, that is it. I'd be so pissed off.
1: Well, you know, again, you could also look at the other way of like, well, of course she's going to get worked in here. They're not going to cut her scene.
3: He has 10 kids. I'm surprised he only had one in this movie.
1: Yeah. So, like, all right, we're already at the, the wedding. Like, you're right. We've had three moments with him and the barber, and we're to believe now that they're terribly in love, but he's in this arranged marriage that the whole country's future is dependent on. If he doesn't get married to Izzy's daughter, then there will be war and strife and, and murder. More, though, he likes Izzy's daughter.
2: Now, he's turned on by his daughter.
3: Yes. I mean, he has no problem because they sing Get Off together. It took me a moment to realize what song are they singing but then more 90s callbacks yeah a prince song from 1990 yeah but I did like Lavelle's rap into it and I do think Lavelle would have been mostly satisfied he is not Akeem that we replay with Lavelle and Bopoto the well what movie do you like whatever you like, (laughs) you know, that we redo that. I don't think Lavelle would have a problem with that the way he's been played. But no, he is attracted to the barber who has dreams of owning a shop and has her own taste in movies. I thought there would be a joke because we see that imani because he said bark like a dog and hop on one foot he never told her to stop so she is still barking like a dog and hopping on one foot does she still think she has a chance of marrying him is that why she's still doing this but at one point Lavelle tells to Bopopo, stay here don't leave this spot i thought like it would be a callback after the credits we'd go back and she is still
2: standing there but we don't even get that joke i thought we'd get that after the credits
1: more to the point, I didn't really get the vibe that she was Amani. I didn't get the idea that she was subservient. When she's introduced, she has this dance scene that's like, feels like, oh man, she's going to be the one in control of the relationship. I did watch some of. Boomerang. You know, I mentioned last week that I wanted to see more Eddie Murphy romantic comedy. They play Grace Jones this way. She's treated very much in that movie as this joke of like wearing outrageous, androgynous sometimes outfits and just being so much. She's not feminine enough to count. And so she ends up being this object of ridicule when I don't think it's earned. I don't know why we're to hate Bopopo. I don't. Again, I think Lavelle had two good choices there,
3: but he went with the strong-willed person because... I guess because she told him to be
2: the Prince of Queens. No, what it comes down to, this is such a cliche in, like, every rom-com where the girl overhears, like, the guy really had a plot to trick this girl into dating him, but then he really falls in love with her, but he hears him, like, confessing to a friend and gets upset. Lavelle just hears Akeem and Izzy talking about how this marriage is gonna save the kingdom and, oh, you don't really love me as a son. This was just a utilitarian pact to, to bring two nations to peace. He knew, right? I mean- I mean,
3: he had to have known.
2: No, he acts very surprised when he overhears this at the wedding party.
3: But the arranged marriage and everything—I mean, it's not like Akim was hiding secrets. Uh, that's how they played in the film. I know how they play it. I'm just—I'm calling it a lie.
1: This has been terribly calculated. The the, the whole mess of all of this act two, and I fall in love with another woman that I can't marry, has been. Very poorly engineered here and done so without even the enjoyment of watching Eddie Murphy relive his glory days. He is happy to sit on the throne and let these other people do all the heavy lifting and it hasn't helped him and it hasn't helped this movie. But the wedding, I like the changes of characters too because by the time we get to
3: the wedding, Lisa and Mary... I've gotten together. They found their common ground. Semi and Reem are doing shots together. I do like that this comes together. And then when it breaks apart, Lisa's upset. Lisa had a friend from Queens. You know, it's like, this is like the people she grew up with. And so that Mary runs away, that Reem runs away. And nobody seems to care that Marimba is gone, but this is where Akeem finally realizes that he has not been true to himself. He picked Lisa over tradition.
1: Not only that, but that women know more than men. That his mother was the first one to cite back in the day that true love matters more than tradition. And so he's got to change tradition to let... I mean, if you want to believe that Lavelle isn't truly in love with Marembe. It's
3: the first line, Semi says, is after Akeem has been beaten by his three daughters in the stick fight. Ah, there's Akeem, as we always find him, at the feet of the women in his life.
1: Yeah, exactly. If Semi used to be the needle, the the saying, let's just uh, fornicate, let's not find romance. That voice could have been some source of tension here. I don't know. This thing is such a congested mess. It's like everyone has been crammed into the same type quarters, and I'm so happy they're going back to America because I never wanted to leave as fast as they did, but they were not not going to spend too much more time here. They're only going to go here to go back again. Like, it's really crazy-making.
2: Yeah, no, they'll go here so we can get some more reoccurring characters.
3: He has a wedding chapel that is open on Tuesday. <laughs> he doesn't wear shoes, <laughs> And, you know, I did like that character last time. Here, that you bring him back again. It is funny that he has a quickie wedding chapel that has bingo numbers on the wall. (laughs) But, yes, I didn't understand fully why they had to rush this marriage. I wrote in the plot summary, it's so that they couldn't force... Lavelle to marry somebody else but it just seems really really strange that like we just got to Queens yesterday we have to find someplace open today to get married
1: yeah none of that makes any sense
2: yeah, the only part I like when we go back to America this second time in the film, maybe that's why it's to America, because we go back there twice, but, we, you know, we get a callback where Akeem does try to hail a taxi, and this time I'm like, there would be no taxi? Come on, I guess in New York there would be, but I do like they call out, oh, you, you can't just halt me, you gotta download the app and schedule a lift pickup.
3: I wish that they'd brought back Body by Jake and he was now a lift <laughs> driver, but instead they got this guy who has this very distinctive mustache, we're gonna be talking about him again with WandaVision, I Like, this guy's just
1: popping up all over with his stash. I thought Body by Jake died. Maybe not. Well, that's why they didn't get him back.
2: Body by Jake is still alive.
1: Oh, see, there I go.
2: <laughs> I just looked it up.
1: <laughs> you know who else th- I thought died? And I, I when I saw him, I'm like, look at that deep fake. That is so good. John Amos. I swore up and di- down. He died a decade ago from a heart attack. So when he has that moment to t- inspire Akeem to go to America, you know, he's back in the restaurant mopping or whatever. I'm like, look at what they can do with CGI. That is amazing. He's still alive.
3: That's much better than the Tarkin they did in Rogue One. (laughs) Yeah. I thought John Amos died because his character died on Good Times. I think I'm confusing
1: it. I actually (laughs) think... Did he die of a heart attack on Good Times? Yes. That is what happened is I believed he was his character. And so did Marjorie. Marjorie (laughs) thought he died of a heart attack. I'm like, you're thinking
3: of Good Times.
1: Okay. So I'm very confused here (laughs) as, as we scramble towards this ending. And there, again, you just need one character to offer inspiration. But because this cast is so stacked, it's like it takes five people for Akeem to realize what he needs to do and storm into the crack house of God and tell them <laughs>
3: that, I laughed out <laughs> loud at crack
1: yeah, house it's house that's a funny line but again what is he telling them? I think he should be telling them live in Queens if you want to live in Queens but for some reason they're all coming back to Zamunda well wouldn't you for a royal wedding
3: versus the crack house of God? I mean I don't get the impression he's staying in Zamunda I got the impression he came for a hell of a wedding party.
1: Okay maybe I have no idea what Lavelle is doing And I'm not sure he (laughs) does either. And they never change the mundan Law. I mean, one of the
3: big things, one of the big reasons Murambe wants to go to the States is because it is against the Mundan Law for a woman to own a business and she wants a beauty shop. Well, I would have liked to have seen Akeem go, not only am I changing the law of secession, but Marembe, here's your beauty shop. I'm going to give you the startup capital you need to do it here in Zamunda. Because Marembe does seem like a proud Zamundin. She says that to Lavelle, is that she loves her country. And so that would have closed a loop there at least to let me know she was getting her own business and that Zamunda was entering the 21st century with equality and McDowell.
2: I think the big problem for that, Arnie, is that, sure, there's like super cuts, but is there a big hairstyling chain like McDonald's they can make a joke off of her starting over there? Like, I, I feel like that's where the joke is. And again, super cuts, I don't know what a funny pun
3: I can't remember the name of the place, but there was a place... That was like a Hooters for men's haircuts. Sports clips. I think that's what she would have started based upon
1: the outfit she was wearing while cutting Lavelle's hair.
2: I think that's just how you have to dress if you're a female and work for the king.
1: But here's the problem, Arnie. As you already said, like, we've got too many characters. We could close that loop with Marimbe, but they've also got Mika. And Mika's the one that we should care about because she is the proud Zamundin who will never get to lead. And she gets, I'm sorry, I, Wesley Snipes might get the best jokes might be the most fun to watch in this, but he's in the worst scene when they have to have this very poorly choreographed fight scene with sticks between Mika and then the other kids jump in
2: and... Semi jumps in!
1: How long do you think Arsenio trained? Maybe 10, 20 minutes? That far? I figured they just pasted his face on a stump dump.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say they put CGI'd his face on a stump person.
3: It certainly wasn't Eddie who got flipped by his daughter earlier unless that flip... Oh, he lost 50 pounds! He lands... Oh, it's back! I mean, my nutty professor,
1: maybe there was some flubber involved too, but... I'm sorry, and I don't, I don't feel this way because I don't like Arsenio Hall. Cut Simi. Something bad happened to Simi. Barbar stomped on him or something, but don't have him in this movie. Because to have him in this movie, treated in this way, is disrespectful.
2: He does nothing in this.
3: Yeah, and plus, weren't we to think, at the end of Coming to America, since Patrice... Got Eric LaSalle, we saw Semi with Imani. And Imani was not barking and hopping at the wedding of Akeem. So, yeah. continuity's a problem for me here. And it would be, even if we hadn't watched Coming to America just last week, because I know that movie so goddamn well, that every time there's a continuity flaw, it's making me scratch my legs until they bleed.
1: <laughs> continuity, particularly in something like a comedy where, you know, you just throw bits at the wall and whether they make sense or not has never been the question. I'm just shocked that I knew, I knew it was coming that girl power would rule the day and Zamunda would be saving from its chauvinism, but I can't believe this is the fight. I can't believe that what I just saw with the kids and the sticks, that was it. I kept waiting for them to come back and then have the fight and to realize that it's never
2: coming. Where are the kids with the grenades? Yeah, Yeah, we know Izzy runs an army. Like, is this how military coups work? Just a general walks in if he fights you in hand-to-hand combat (laughs) and wins? Like, he gets the country? Like, what is this coup attempt?
1: Is it? uh, Let me just hypothesize something here. It's really hard to make a joke with people being machine-gunned down.
2: (laughs) I was shocked they made a joke about about child soldiers i'm like ah, that's not very tasteful
1: it was edgy but it was my favorite joke <laughs> i know <laughs> and so i feel like maybe what i'm pushing against is that i want that r-rated edgy do something new push the envelope joke and what they realize is like the best we can do is a disney channel fight with a nine-year-old girl taking down wesley snipes
3: yeah it's It does give them something to do in the climax, and I believe if you had the general with a knife to his throat and are like, stand down or I kill you, that he would order his men to stand down. But yeah, generals... God dare I quote a line from X-Men 3, but in chess the pawns go first. You keep back your kings and generals until much later. So I think I'm thinking of that line because Izzy does say to Akeem, you've brought a pawn who took a queen.
1: So You might also be thinking of X-Men 3, because that's another movie where there's too many goddamn characters, (laughs) and you needed to cut half of them. But as someone that loved what Wesley Snipes was doing in this, and thought that General Izzy was really going to bring a much-needed element of danger to the final minutes of this movie, to see him partying at the wedding again after that stick fight, I was just baffled. I was so confused.
3: Again, it would have been nice. I mean, too many characters... But what if we just saw one of Akeem's other daughters standing next to General Izzy's son, you know? If we just implied that the way we implied SEMI and Imani are were going to get together, you know, just something like that for a reason why they'd broker a piece and not that Izzy would just run off and come back stronger because he who li- he who fights and
1: runs away lives to bring back a
3: bigger army another
1: day. I hear you wanting to, like, tie all the bows, Arnie, but I feel like the banquet hall's on fire. You're not trying to decorate this. It's a fucking shamble.
3: Oh, come on. This ending is great, where they brought queens to Zamunda, including the barbers. They bring back sexual chocolate, and they keep the joke
2: of the one
3: guy going, That boy's good!
2: I mean, this would have been a great SNL skit as a callback to coming to America. Like, here we are 30 years later, and we're at this wedding, and ha-ha. I get why they're doing it with this end wedding scene and sexual chocolates back, we're getting a full musical Like, this is stuff, I guess people who love coming to America love this.
3: It's a little much to bring back sexual chocolate, but I do like We Are Family. I got sexual chocolate with me. (laughs)
1: I'd rather have him any day than John Legend. I'll just, I'll go with that. Yeah, why does John Legend show up during the credits? I have no idea why he thinks he's funny performing Queen to Be.
3: I just thought it was he was a fan and Queen to Be is a funny song in the
2: last one. I I was so confused. I'm like, did he do this song? Like, did I miss it during (laughs) the film? And they're just doing a callback to him recording it? I think he does. When they do have the Nile Rodgers
1: theme song from the original, I think he's covering it. So- John Legend is, I guess, some kind of star. I've never liked him. He's very bland, but he he makes a perfect—he could write Lavelle's theme, but I feel like I don't get what joke you're telling when—yeah, it does just feel like Eddie being gracious and letting another fanboy come in and say, I want to be a part of the movie, too.
3: It does, but it's not obtrusive because it's credits music. I was wondering if they keep the line totally free of infection, and they do. If only they had kept the movie free of infection. Ah, but did they? Jacob Stewart. I think I know the answers. But do you recommend Coming to America? Jacob.
2: Maybe I'll surprise you a little bit because I I know I've been really harsh on this, but when I I watched it, my expectations were tempered because I had seen that trailer. So I'm like, okay, I know what I'm getting into. I know what this is going to be. And the fact that I just watched the original Coming to America to do that review and realizing oh this this isn't like the laugh fest that i thought it was and look people that's one of our jobs here on now playing like we're gonna review 2001 you know arnie's gonna take down kubrick like that's just (laughs) we go after sacred cow sometimes we've all done it we've all done it together sorry mask of the phantasm (laughs) fan
1: not really sorry not sorry
2: I'm just saying, sorry, none of us uh, saw that sacred cow is sacred. And so, like, as I was watching this, yeah, I had a lot of problems with it. But then I'm like, oh, that first one, though, wasn't the great film that I had remembered it being. It had a lot of problems, too. And so watching this again, there was times I enjoyed it, but I did think back about what we're getting a lot of lately with like these reunions. And Arnie, you mentioned Star Wars. Yeah, I thought about that, but I thought of some that were more on this level, like Bill and Ted face the music. I'm not talking about whether I like it or not. Just a comparative Bill and Ted face the music. Like when I watched that, I love that film. But it feels smaller scale, like it feels like it could have almost been a TV show, maybe because it was shot as COVID was going around or, but it feels like a lot of green screen. This one feels small too, but I really went back to, because I just started watching it and I just finished season two of Cobra Kai which is let's go back to something 30 years old and pick up with the characters. And we're going to bring all those characters back in this film. I, I was more surprised about who didn't show up than who does show up in this film. Like the fact that we get a, a, a fourth wall breaking stare at the camera. Yeah. That's going to get a call back in this one. Like we are going to call back all the characters, all the moments. And the thing with Cobra Kai, like that first season I was into it. Like it felt fun, like catching up with Johnny and, and kind of recontextualizing that first film where maybe he was the victim of Daniel LaRusso, like there were some interesting things there, but we're just getting ready to start season three as a family. And we're kind of just watching it because it's not great, but it's like something to watch while we're eating dinner. And that's how I feel like coming to America two, to coming to America, let's call it that to set it apart from the original. But like, that's where I feel like maybe this would have worked better if this was just a YouTube red and then moved to Netflix kind of streaming, you know, half hour series with this many characters and I could kind of just kind of watch it passively and enjoy it like I don't know if this is on the level of like a Saved by the Bell or Full House reunion. I haven't watched those. I don't want to. Like, that's usually not my thing. But I think there's some appeal to this film because, hey, here's characters you liked a lot in in something else. And here's more of them doing similar stuff that you like. So, like, if I was watching this very passively, it might get a recommend. But I can't endorse it because, yeah, I do think there's a lot of problems with this story. It's not a satisfying follow up to the original film, the way I feel like face the music from bill and Ted, that's a satisfying conclusion of that trilogy Cobra Kai. Again, I I think that first season, especially you get some satisfying, really satisfying moments to following up on that story. So many decades later, This one, I don't know if it's better off for being so much further down the line, you know, 31 years later after that first film. I think if you're a super hardcore fan, and I guess we'll find this out when we get to you, Arnie, but I feel like there might be something enjoyable there. Again, just watching this passively, I'm like, oh yeah, if this was a half hour installment of a TV show, I could probably get into this. But as a film, it's a convoluted mess and it's just not very satisfying. Again, this is not where I imagined Akeem being, just a, a passive still Prince and even when he's King still passive, like none of that I found satisfying here. So again, we'll we'll wait till we get to you Arnie for the super fan. I think there might be some appeal for super fans of coming to America, but for me after watching that first one and going, ah, that, that wasn't the greatest thing. And this one is definitely doesn't stand up to that. Even though I enjoyed some of the callbacks, I'm going to give it a mild, not recommend. Mm -hmm. Stewart.
1: Yeah, I I this is another example I always hold up my argument rarely disproven, making sequels to comedies is the hardest genre to pull off. You can make a more elaborate chase scene and improve an action movie. You can fix a monster suit and maybe you take that indie horror movie and fix it with a part two, but you never get bigger laughs by telling the same jokes in a more expensive setting. That just that never works. And it is exceedingly rare when I feel like you have a good comedy followed by a good comedy sequel. And so my comparison is, I think what I heard you say, Jacob, is, is that there's some people that are going to have a good time. Yeah, because this is a high school reunion. And some people like that. Some people want to get back and all they want to talk about is the glory days. And remember when I made a football, you know, touchdown at homecoming and all of that. (laughs) You had to reach for the word touchdown. Yeah. (laughs) Clearly you can tell I'm not the one reliving those days. No, I tend to look at those things as very pathetic. Like, why haven't you moved on? You're now fat, bald, a plumber addicted to opiates on your third divorce. (laughs) You are not a quarterback anymore. Which kind of sounds like an Eddie Murphy. Like, he would have enjoyed playing that under latex, I would have thought. The surprise, the biggest surprise of coming to America for me is how little Eddie wants to join in. I just, I really believed, after Dolomite, that he was ready to show us who he had evolved into that, you know, he has a line to his daughter of saying, forgive an old fool. I'm ready to, I get it. I will let go of the Pluto Nashes, the showtimes, the Meat Dave's, the homophobic jokes that don't play anymore. All the paternity claims. You don't honor all your mistakes and misgivings. I get it. You've evolved. You've grown. You've lived a life. You've made errors. And now you want to show us the seasoned entertainer you become. Where is that guy? Where is Eddie Murphy? I felt like one of his wife from the sketch. Give me half, Eddie. Give me a fourth of Eddie. Give me a a microcosm, of like a, a molecule of Eddie. I want some Eddie in goddamn coming to America, and he does not want to be there. He has passed everything off to this... Poor actor who is very ill-fitted to be in this role. Jermaine Fowler may work in some other venue, but is he the second coming of Eddie Murphy? Nah. Not recommend. Yeah, they bring that joke back at the end, too. But at least they don't say it as
3: annoying as Lisa did last time. Here's the thing that I feel. You keep saying Eddie doesn't want to be here. I think Eddie is letting the writers and the next generation take the reins. But when Eddie is on screen, and I agree with you, it's not long, Mm-mm. but I feel I'm getting an old Eddie performance. I feel like he's as good in this movie as he was in the last one. Not as funny because he's not given the material, but he is trying to be a Keem. I mean, you're right. There was a period of Eddie Murphy movies, and this is when I stopped watching Eddie Murphy movies, where he was basically Bruce Willis-ing it. Mm -hmm. You know, he was showing up, he was reading lines, he was doing his old shtick, and he never looked as grumpy as Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis looks like he sat on a stick and it isn't. he needs to see a proctologist. And you don't think he's doing that here? No, I feel like in Dolomite Hmm. and this... I don't think he's tried since Dreamgirls, because
1: he got pissed he didn't win that Oscar. He was, yeah, I agree. That was a a moment where he could have become that seasoned, I'm ready for my next phase. Oh, fuck you all. Yes.
3: (laughs) I'm going back to Disney, and I'm (laughs) going to phone it in. But I feel like with Dolomite, he got back into it, and he did a character. Dolomite, yes. This, no. I feel like here... He is back as Akeem. I never question Akeem. Hmm. I never question his involvement. I never feel like he's thinking about the next phone call or the next project and calling his agents and just doing it for a payday. I feel he's here. So I disagree with your ending there. And I think Arsenio's just happy to be in a movie again. I feel he's really present, but given nothing to do. My problem with this movie is the script. It's I mean, I've said it, it's overstuffed with characters. I understand that maybe as a prince, Akeem needs to have multiple children, but man, two of them are just underserved. You know, one of them I don't think gets a single line. I don't know why they aren't all Eddie's kids. And Why not have ten kids and bring all of Eddie's kids there, but one actress who's going to be the princess who wants to be the queen? Although, seeing how long kings live in Zamunda, it's going <laughs> to, you're the Prince Charles. You're going to get, yeah, we'll make you queen, but I'm not going to die for 80 more years. <laughs> but the script is a mess. Mm. Lavelle is Noah Kim. He's not even a Lisa, if you're trying to go that route, where he's the American. Lisa had more going on, and she didn't have much going on. She worked at her dad's for reasons, but at least we had the whole Soul Glow, Eric LaSalle subplot that... I mean, what is Lavelle leaving behind? He he had no friends. He had no girlfriend. He had no job. He didn't like scalping tickets for Uncle Reem. so... My big problem comes down to a lack of a good script, and I think that Craig Brewer does what he can with this script. I think, you know, the scenes are filmed for Maximum Comedy. I do laugh out loud when Lavelle is running from a lion and has to dive into that cage. I thought that was kind of funny. But it's a mess of a script that relies too much on callbacks, which would be great in 1981 when we didn't have cable and VCRs where we can watch Coming to America three times a week and not need a callback to a movie that's omnipresent on television. And I watched this, and my overwhelming sense was disappointment because I Mm. love that first movie. And watching this the second time, I didn't laugh that much. Mm. And I was left just thinking... How much more confused of a film this is, and just lacking coherence, and lacking direction. You know, it's shorter than the last one with more characters, and just not giving... Nobody is well-served by this script. Every single person should see this final edit and feel like the best stuff's on the cutting room floor, because none of their best stuff is here on the screen. So I watched it again just before this review. Okay. Because I knew how I felt the first time doesn't hold a candle
2: to the first movie. So as a super fan, disappointed.
3: Very disappointed as a super fan.
1: I'll admit, like, I wanted to have a live feed on you while you watched it. Because I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I could see it going either way. I could see some people are going to love reliving the jokes. And some people are going to resent that they didn't bring enough to the party. You wouldn't have seen much.
3: It's not like I had a great reaction video. You would have seen me taking a lot of notes Mm. and being pretty stoic with a few laugh out loud moments. I'm still in suspense. So second viewing. Second viewing, I detached myself Mm. and looked at this not as a sequel to Coming to America, but as a comedy movie. And as a comedy movie, it's got a really poor script and poor balance of characters. But I laughed more the second time because I didn't have the disappointment. Mm. I laughed at what jokes there were. So it's right there on the edge. I'm like... It's not a great comedy. And humor is subjective, but I laugh. I'm really not proud at one of my biggest laughs, which is the first time Lavelle is going up to the lion and the lion lays down and is going to sleep. And the lion left this huge fart. Yeah. You <laughs> laughed
1: at that. <laughs> okay, that's you laughed out loud. <laughs> that is interesting. I, I thank you for admitting to that. I never would if I did. Yeah, I felt like that was desperation. Yep. <laughs> well, it may be because I've owned a French Bulldog now for
3: several years. <laughs> oh okay. yeah. And when my French Bulldog lays down to go to sleep, get out of the room. I'm never like flatulent jokes, but things... Thinking of that lion as a French bulldog made me laugh. So it's just on the border. It's disappointing. It's not that great. But I laughed enough the second time to give it the weakest of recommends. Just sliding over that line a little bit. And probably goodwill to seeing the characters back in makeup helps. But as a super fan the first time... It was like, oh, hell no. You did this to Coming to America. You made a joke about ruining the original with the sequel, and you did. And you know what? Here's the truth. is I, I'm going to watch Coming to America again tomorrow to kind of wash my mouth out with this. Mm. Which one? The first one? Yeah, the first one. And maybe in 10 years I'll revisit Coming to America, but there's no reason to watch it a second time. I mean, well, the second time was to watch yes. it Detached. There's no reason to watch this movie again now that I've seen it. If you like the first one, watch it. It's not atrocious. It's disappointing, but a weak recommend.
1: And what would this movie, you mentioned Goodwill, I just want to put it out there. What would this movie be if you were like, oh, I didn't see the original, I'm just going to sit down with this one. I don't think that you would experience it as funny as the original because you didn't know the jokes. Agreed,
3: but you might like it more because you're not comparing it to anything. Mm -hmm. The reason I didn't like it so much the first time is because everything was a comparison to the last time. When I watched it the second time is when I had to detach and say, if this wasn't Coming to America, but was rather the Zamundin Diaries or something, then what would I think? And I would think it was fine enough to give a weak recommend to. I wouldn't damn the movie. But yeah, I think the less you like the original, the more you got a shot at this one. Because it's modernized. You got some modern comedians in there. If you like what Leslie Jones does, she does it here. If you like what Tracy Morgan does, he does it here. If you like... What Jermaine Fowler does, drop me an email because I don't know what that is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like Jacob's idea of, like, if this had just been a Cobra Kai sitcom, you could have let this breathe a little bit longer. We would have had episodes and episodes to get to know all the supporting characters. Yeah, if it were just the Kardashian parody in Africa that they joked that they were... I think you would have got more mileage out than trying to cram it all in two hours. Yeah,
3: that would be a far better way to go. Love Cobra Kai. Love what they did there. If you'd had that with the old generation and the new, I feel like Cobra Kai did it perfect.
2: Yeah, and I know it's so hard these days with streaming. We don't have box office numbers. Do we have a sense if this has at least been a critical hit, I guess, or a hit amongst viewers? They're the ones paying, so I I guess that would be most important because are we going to get a Coming to America 3? And if we are, I want to propose right now. Coming T.O.O. to America for that sequel.
1: <laughs>
3: you know, I uh, what Eddie has said is he would see co- doing Coming to America when he is 75. I don't know what he's vi- envisioning that having him in old, old age versus late middle age would do. But he's like, in 18 years, I'll be 75. He won't need the old man makeup. No. For his
2: side characters.
3: So he's talking about it. I think it's too early to know if this is a streaming hit. They don't ever release their watch numbers. There are companies that define the metrics on this, and they take a while to do so. When we talk about WandaVision next week, we're going to have more about those kinds of metrics. But the critics have been very divided. It's sitting below a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I think... The critics are too harsh by damning it that much, but it's not a great movie. It's not like I can't see their points.
1: You have to really love the original, I think, to forgive the problems here. I think that's really, it's dependent on how much you love the original and how much you're not going to hold against it, that they're just redoing it very lazily.
3: Some of it worked for me, like, again, seeing... Clint Smith back as Sweets dancing, and that boy's good! You know, I liked that callback, but yet Imani still barking, still hopping, I rolled my eyes at. So, some of it worked, some of it didn't work. That's why it gets a weak recommend. I wish I loved it, though. I really do wish that Eddie could finally have a great sequel. But that said, this is probably his second best sequel of all time, below only Beverly Hills Cop 2.
1: Yeah, we'll cover Beverly Hills Cop. We've already stated that the part four is in the works, and hopefully it'll be better than this. But who knows? Maybe he and Craig Brewer are going to cook it up, and it'll be out in a few months. I couldn't begin to guess what's going to happen. The one thing that's interesting about Eddie Murphy that I would like to see happen, he's talked about, I saw a few interviews, He's talking about getting back on the road and doing stand-up again, which I think that might be the kind of revitalization that going back to an old franchise would never be for him. I would like to see old Eddie Murphy again, and it's my sadness and probably why I'm so hard on this movie that I didn't see it here. He did win an
3: Emmy for finally going back to Saturday Night Live, his first Emmy. He should have won one way back when he was a regular player, but he went back to SNL and decided to tell jokes versus that 40th anniversary SNL reunion where he just went up there as was like, thanks SNL. You know, again, I feel like he wants to get some
1: of that old magic back. Yeah. And yeah, I think maybe it's time for Beverly Hills Cop 4 or maybe it's time to go do some new routines, come up with some new ideas. Remember why uh, he was touring with raw and that's when he came out with coming to America. Maybe his next great movie exists when he's starting to have that creative energy again.
3: But I feel like at raw and I've said this about comedians so many times. Comedians are funny when they connect to the people. And when he was doing raw, he was able to talk about, wow, I'm famous and I get so much pussy. And people were like, man, I wish I was famous. And he was surprised. Surprised by the amount of pussy he was getting.
1: Mm. And then
3: he was t- talking about how now I have money, so I have to go find an African bush bitch. Yeah. And so now, I mean- you know, with that 11th bowling alley breaks, ain't that a bitch? <laughs> I don't know what he can say.
1: Well, he's going to go out and connect with people on the road, and maybe he can learn something about it. Maybe a reality series. Eddie, like, learns how people really are. I don't oh God, know. all I'm thinking is Gene Simmons family jewels now. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm not here to give him his advice. I'm not his agent. I guess I'll leave it at this. I'm not opposed to covering Eddie Murphy again. I just hope I see him inspired.
3: I'll say this though, I'm really glad this was Amazon Prime and not a theatrical release because smaller screen, smaller expectations, smaller delivery, if I was in a theater with this, A, I wouldn't have had time to see it twice because I couldn't have watched it really early in the morning, and B, would it have played as well? You know, I just feel like I don't see a lot of comedies in theaters because I feel like I watch them at home, and I'm fine watching comedies at home. I want to see big spectacles on big screens.
1: There's nothing about this that feels like a big screen experience. It feels made for television. And so I think you're right. Setting the modesty of that format is the right place to experience it. And not costing me a penny
3: extra, because I pay for Amazon Prime for shipping, and if you happen to throw in some music and some TV, great. (laughs) But you had me when all it was was two-day shipping. Well, meanwhile, this Friday, if Eddie has fallen, well, this Friday, Angel is fallen.
1: Not Charlie's Angels. Gerard Butler.
2: Yeah, who's Angel? We've been talking about Mike Banning.
1: Yeah, apparently, like, I, it, what heights has he really scaled? I saw Phantom. <laughs> I've seen a few of those other ones. 300? Yeah, I didn't like that movie. Maybe we, one day we'll cover it. But, I, yes, we will see how loud it crashes when Gerard Butler comes down in his third incarnation of the Fallen series.
3: And it's also a mini-review of Greenland. So if you like last year's Greenland, <laughs> then it, you want to hear this review. It's almost two reviews for one, which means five reviews for in four podcasts For our Platinum donors, normally we only do three at Platinum, four this time, ending this week. So if you want to hear the Platinum shows, head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. As of this Friday, the entire Platinum series is going to be available. And then in just a couple weeks, we're going to be starting our silver level with Dirty Harry. Yep, looking forward to that. And meanwhile, also, Thursday night, if you are a patron of $75 or more, you get to join us live to discuss another miniseries. Our last month's live show for patrons was The Stand. This month, the live show by your vote. The votes were between Snyder Cut and WandaVision. WandaVision won by 2%. It was a narrow margin. So if you are a patron of $75 or more then. You have to RSVP. You will be getting an email from us allowing you to RSVP. And you can join us and hear what we think about WandaVision Live. And that show will be available for everyone next Tuesday.
1: Yeah, you know, you'll you'll get it for free. But I do think there's something about hearing the live recording and all of the things that come up that make it extra fun. You'll be missing out if you don't join us on Thursday.
3: So thank you for listening. We appreciate all of our listeners, whether or not you are able to support us, whether or not you choose to support us. We appreciate all of you who listen on Tuesdays. So thank you for coming to us, for coming to America. And until next time, I renounce my throne.
0: Thank you for listening to this Now Playing Podcast movie review.
2: So, you see, my son, there is a very fine line between love and nausea.
0: We hope you enjoyed the show. I will cherish this experience for the rest of my life. Help us spread the word about this show by leaving a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your podcast store of choice.
2: I'd like to give a big round of applause to my band, Sexual Chocolate.
0: And um, while you're in the clapping mood, give yourselves a round of applause. You're so lovely. Everyone's so lovely. Want more reviews like this one? In the archives section of NowPlayingPodcast.com, you'll find more than 1,000 in-depth movie reviews from our panel of hosts.
3: See, that's the problem. I can't find a man that can satisfy me. Now, some guys go an hour, hour and a half. That's it. A man's got to put in overtime for me to get off.
0: On our site, you can hear reviews for every installment in the world's biggest film franchises, including Star Wars, Batman, James Bond, Middle Earth, Jurassic Park, Fast and Furious, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
2: It's supposed to be Prince of Wakanda. Wakanda is a fictional place. Not everybody.
0: And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com next Tuesday for another all-new movie review podcast. Come take it out, most urgent. Support from listeners like you keeps Now Playing Podcast on the air. Now ushers are passing through the aisles with donation baskets, so please give all you can. You can donate directly by tapping the support button at NowPlayingPodcast.com. We're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather get the kind that folds. And you can join our Podbean crowdfunding campaign for early access to new episodes, exclusive reviews, and bonus reviews.
1: Kindly send 300,000 American dollars immediately as we are in dire straits.
0: Should I make it 400,000?
1: You think that would be enough?
0: You are right. 500,000.
1: As long as you ask him, why don't we go for a cool million?
0: You do not think that would be too much? Need more Now Playing? Subscribe to our In Focus weekly newsletter for exclusive digital download giveaways, celebrity interviews, behind the scenes insights, and more. Sign up through the subscribe page on our website and get it delivered to your inbox every Friday. I feel like (laughs) breakdancing. You can also compare notes with us on Letterboxd. Go to letterboxd.com forward slash Now Playing to see what our hosts are watching when they're not recording podcasts. And follow Now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Yeah, I want to work on videos, but really I want to be my own star in the videos because I want to become a pop singer and a rock singer and write my own songs, produce my own songs, and then I'm going to try an actress because people tell me how talented I am. I'm a natural and stuff like that. So then I'm going to write my own stories and direct my own stories and, you know, produce the movies I'm doing. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. I'm the king of this shop. Associate produced by Jason Latham I am more
2: than the exalted ruler of this land and the master of all I survey I'm also a concerned dad
0: Now playing is edited by Heath and Arnie They're gonna sharpen you too, nephew Now playing credits read by Brock Maybe we'll have a chance again to talk on a professional level the opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual hosts, and may not reflect the views of Venganza Media Incorporated.
3: Not everybody thinks like you, Patrice. Yes, they
1: do. They just don't admit it.
0: Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended.
1: Let them wear our princely robes. We're in New York
0: now. Let us dress as New Yorkers. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of and may not be used without the express written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2021. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. You may go home now. Good night.
1: Dinner. A movie shit.
0: What? <laughs> let's go dutch
3: dolomite is my name one of
2: eddie Murphy's my name is dolomite
3: best... no dolomite is my name it is yes we got it wrong last time yeah oh, i okay. knew it i just i'd never get that that right What people loved were the barbers and randy jackson and so we're going to bring those characters back we're not going to there's one new makeup character in this movie.
1: Is it Randy Watson? Oh, Randy Watson. Yeah, Randy yeah. Jackson's an American Idol. <laughs> yes, dog.
3: <laughs> Prince Lavelle will marry Izzy's passionate, voluptuous, and servile daughter Rotimi. Lavelle feels played by this arranged marriage,
1: having fallen in love with. Um, I'm going to stop you, Rotini. Rotini. Yeah, who is it? No. What's her name? The general Izzy's daughter? Uh huh. It's Boboto. It's Bopoto. Boboto. Bo- yeah. B- Bopoto. Yeah. Rotini is a pasta. Where
3: did I
1: get Rotini? <laughs> no. Rotini is the name of the actor playing his son, Edie. Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's where I got yes. it. <laughs>
1: Okay. I see what you did now. Hold on, dog's barking. Mm-hmm.
3: Which is good. I've got a bloody leg. Let
1: me go clean that. Oh, of bloody course. Bloody leg. Who doesn't have one? I've always, when I'm podcasting, <laughs> bleeding out of my appendages. <laughs> That's not some British expression. I got a bloody leg. No, he's literally got blood <laughs> running down his leg. I don't know what happened. I didn't do shit to him. This is the first time I sat down with him to record. Yeah, the show hasn't got contentious yet. <laughs> yeah. I thought he'd be giving me the bloody legs. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, Leslie, I almost Jones. say Jones Leslie Morgan. Morgan. What's her name? Leslie Jones. Jones. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I haven't liked him in a lot of stuff, though. He's always the same God cop out.
2: Jesus Christ cop out. But <laughs> I've, I've not seen that one.
1: Is that Kevin Smith?
2: <laughs> yep. And Bruce Willis. Just, a, uh, yeah.
1: Oh, that could kill me. I, I need to stay away from that. <laughs> I think I would have an allergic reaction.